Okay, and then one, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I think that'll work. (laughs) Okay. You are such a chaos goblin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I fully, I definitely, definitely, I really want a pet raccoon. Yeah, I want, I really want a pet raccoon too, just because they're so gorgeous. And they're so pretty. And they're like, and so charming. And they have such creepily long fingers. Yeah, 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 completely. I definitely love the long, creepy fingers and like the claws and stuff like that. I wish we could like co-parent a raccoon together. Oh my god, that would be such a utopian like like replacement model for the nuclear family. Is yeah. us two us two with the raccoon. Yeah, completely right. So but also so with separate flats so that you have like the for like for some days in the week and then I have it for other days and then we take it like for like alternate and we go for like walks around Hassenheider together with it. Yeah, or like and we take it out to like abandoned buildings so that it can play. Yeah, um, alternately as well, I would kind of like it if we could just find a wild raccoon and like vaguely domesticate it so it lived in the wild still. But it would come to us when we did like a certain set of a certain a certain uh, set of summonings. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like then it would be harder to make the raccoon wear a series of pretty little dresses. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> little raccoon dresses! Oh my god! It's like yeah, yes. <laughs> But at the same time as well, like, I feel like having, like, my flat, I mean, look, my flat's only big enough for this raccoon. Yeah. Okay. It's like having a second raccoon in here. Like, ooh. Like. Yeah. And my, my, like, uh, drive towards order means that sometimes I feel like I am too messy a thing to be in my own uh, space because I want everything to be clean. And so um, I think that if I had a raccoon, that might raise my stress levels somewhat. But what if it was like a really good, like, because obviously what if it was like the most well-behaved raccoon in the world and you trained it to like just sit nicely, you got like a special like high chair for it and it could just sit in the high, while you tidied it, it just went and sat in its high chair. And you give it like a little bowl of water and some strawberries, and it like washed the strawberries in the water and ate them. <laughs> I think if if the raccoon would be really a really good sleeping companion, like if it was really nice to sleep in a bed with, then I think I would forgive it basically everything. Oh my god, yeah, because every night you'd just be like, Arr. yeah, yeah. <laughs> then... I, when, when I was younger, I when I would stay with my auntie and uncle, I, I think they, I'm pretty sure their house was haunted, and. Um, <laughs> And the dog would come and sleep with me. And I was so grateful to the dog because I wouldn't be scared if the dog was there. So <laughs> then, not that I'm really scared of ghosts anymore or really much. No, I'm pretty anxious. Maybe if the raccoon would come into my bed and we could cuddle and then I would be less anxious about the pandemic. Yeah, but reveal, what if your auntie and uncle when you spoke to them one time were like, oh, but that dog died so, like, years <laughs> before you even came to us. What <laughs> if <laughs> <laughs> the dog was haunting the house? <laughs> and you're like in the seat like oh it's so glad the ghost isn't here reveal <laughs> that would be like the m night Shyamalan twist yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> did you see that film it was like the village or something i loved it until it turned out that like it wasn't a fantasy film it was just this really fucked up cult 
I did, I did, uh, I did love it. And this was in the period of my life where I was living in the countryside and I had no friends and I hadn't discovered the city. So I also watched all of the director's cut and extra bonus features because that's what I used to do at weekends is that DVDs would come with this like random second disc no one except for me would watch. Yeah. And did uh, you learn anything about the film from that second disc? I actually just in general, I learned loads of things from the second disc because it was just they would show you like it was really interesting. It would be like it would sometimes they would be longer than the actual movie. And it would be like so it would be all the, like the process by they, how they made prosthetics for thing for movies and things like that. And obviously mm. these people were like so fucking nerded out and overworked. They were desperate to talk to anyone about it. So they're like, hey, and look at this other thing. I exist, too. And, um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I remember there was. I remember there was a scene where this, um, this, uh, where the, the blind protagonist, there's like a contract, a deleted scene where there was like all these like, uh, like jars hanging from a tree that created noise when the wind blew over it and that she encounters them and she has to argue with them to let them, let her past. And, uh. Because oh, to her, she obviously, she's the only one, she's, she's in case anyone's not seen the film, like, you're, you're never going to watch this film anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, unless it randomly comes on at like 3am in the morning. Not even that, unless you find it on YouTube for free somewhere. Um, yeah, she like, she's under the, because she's blind, she's the only one who can leave the village. I never, to this day, will never understand, okay, wait, so two seconds, just to fra- frame it properly for any listeners. A bunch of pe- it's basically a bunch of people who are basically like the Amish, right? Testify. Yeah. They're basically Amish, right? They break yeah. away, they form a heterogeneous little community, and they lie to their children. Uh yeah. about it being like that. And they're super rich, so they stopped planes from flying over it or something. It was a no-fly zone, it's like a nature reserve. But when you're watching the movie, you don't know this, you think they're actually just living in in um incestuous times and um and there's monsters that come out at night and that it's like they're, they're attracted to the colour yellow uh, and repelled by the colour red or something like something, that. Something, yeah, something like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and then like there's also monsters in the woods, which is what stops the children from going into the woods. And it's actually just the adults dressing up, right? Which yeah, was such a bummer. Oh, no, it's red. It's red. So then if there's ever any red blooms around, they have to, like, rip them up and, like, throw them away. Yeah, it's completely weird. And then also as well, like, um, yeah, and then this is the adults dressing up and going, and then what happens is someone gets sick and they have to go for medicine. So they send the blind girl, the only, the only blind, this blind child, this, this, like, the oldest daughter or something like that. And it's her sort of, like, coming of age. And she, I quite liked her. She was quite nice. But, um. She was a vibe. Yeah, I will never to this day understand as to why one of the parents just didn't go. <laughs> I will never, ever, yeah, yeah, ever I, understand. They actually knew what was they going actually, on. I will never, ever, I was like, I, just, I, I don't get it. Like, completely. I feel like I'm in a bit of a mood that I could have an argument with a bunch of glass jars hanging from a tree. Like, I feel like that yeah. I definitely feel like at the moment I could probably get something from that in- interaction. Oh my God. No, totally, totally, totally. No, it's, it's, speaking of screaming into the void, I have decided <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to make an Instagram challenge because I am at that stage of the pandemic. I just did it shortly before coming on here and it's, uh, I've tagged you. I've nominated three other people, uh, 
for it uh, and it's going to go viral. No, I don't care. I literally just want people to send things to me and it's called the When I Die Challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it is, right, is that it's, it's just because I want to hear like, so basically anyone who's had like any like extravagant thoughts about their funeral or like post-death process or something like that or, or any of these things, this is a chance to like just let them out. And so, and so the challenge, so it goes like this. So you say, when I die, and then you say your thing. Ah. Okay, so when I die, I want the my estate, whatever I have left to inherit to, to the world or something like that, I want that to be uh, divvied up between people on a percentage basis corresponding to how much, uh, to what percentage of me they eat. <laughs> 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 but so, like, yeah, if, like, if you eat forty percent of me, you get forty percent of like what I leave behind on this mortal plane. Like, what? Like, three bags of like, trash and some good books. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say you, yes. You it will be that. Cannibalize you for a couple of books. <laughs> I was like, if you're a millionaire, I feel like that that's more perverse. But I'm not sure. Maybe no. You, have, I'm sure you have a good collection of books. Get whatever. I don't care. It's like in my head, I'm going to die. I'm going to, obviously I'm going to die rich in my head. Like, okay. Like, yeah. or like, yeah, I'm just amusing myself being like, but and then, or alternately, alternately, what I would rather is that it's a few books with handwritten notes in, but I've developed such like a loyal cult following of a few very select people that there's just like, uh, that there's, the people are fighting to get uh, them yeah. because they oh, want yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. When yeah. you die, I certainly hope to read through your journals. Oh my God. <laughs> but, uh, I guess I, I have to work out whether I, I would go through eating you in order to do that. <laughs> to get my journals. <laughs> Be like, okay, what about you? What about you? You must have had to, all, all faggots have these thoughts at some point. Um, when I die? Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I like... I, when I die, I always said from when I was a kid that I wanted the song Happy Boys and Girls to be played at my funeral. (laughs) It's like 90s bubblegum pop uh, thing because I just thought I wanted one, people to laugh and also two, to be able to listen to this sick, (laughs) sick song. Um, You have a little mechanism under the coffin so it just starts thumping a little bit. You know what? You know what I had that I decided... um, uh, when I die, yeah. I want um, to have my body propped up uh, like uh, in it, like in in the, the the church. I think it should be in a church, a Catholic church, um, yeah. and I should be propped up on a cross. Um, and uh, the like, all these different strings should be attached to different parts of my body, and then the strings should be attached to handkerchiefs. And so, and, and the, hang- the audience has the handkerchiefs, and so as they da- as they're crying and they dab at their eyes, it makes my corpse do one last amazing drag show. Wait, oh, to to, to the song, um, to to the song, uh, I will survive. Oh. <laughs> oh. So wait, so we've got we've just we've just gone from hmm, I don't really have any plans for after my death to <laughs> I want to be up there on a cross. It's a gigantic collective marionettes yeah. operated by the audience's handkerchiefs. Yeah. I will survive. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. nasty. I love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's mine. That's mine. Which actually, that uh, that brings us to uh, our theme that, that you selected this. And I think it's the best theme that we've done so far. Before we get into that, uh, I am Queen of the Heavens and of the Earth, Empress of Despair, Architect of Your Eternal Suffering, Olympia Bukakis. And I am ready to just give in to being an online furry oozing gloop. <laughs> and you're listening to our podcast, Slurry. Slurry. That was the quickest one so far. I think it was good. Short and sweet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so what is our theme today, Oozing Gloop? Death. 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 It's good death. theme. Yeah. Death. <laughs> yeah. Death. Yeah. Just let that sink in. You know what? I, I hated the, I hated let let that sink in. Like, I, I think it... it like as like a thing that people added to the end of their tweets. I think it worked like the first couple of times where I was like, okay, I should take time to process that information. But then it got to that thing, you know, like, you know, there's always these bad meme posters and people like kept like putting things like, you know, like I just put butter on my toast. Let that sink in. Oh, I didn't, that's, that's, <laughs> I didn't, that wasn't on purpose, but it's just like, you know, I just farted. Let that sink in. It's like, I'm not going to let that sink in. I've got stuff to do. And that's not a very profound thought. Yeah. It's also as well, it's kind of a bit like, you know, when someone had like live, laugh, love on their wall at the very beginning, it was like, ah, and now it's like, Whoa. was it, was it, ah, uh, at the I'm being generous. <laughs> You are being very generous. What can I like, say? My cup runneth over. <laughs> it's like more generous than offering up your body for consumption after your death. Okay, um, so speaking of which, my also as well, my favourite form of funeral, it's also quite consumptory. My favourite form of funeral, we've all got to have a favourite form of funeral out there. Right. My favourite, my alternative, like alternately, if I'm not allowed to uh, incite cannibalism through my uh, my my will, there's, in, in, the, in the will there will be a series of options. Are based, <laughs> and the executor, uh, probably you, will have to work out what is the most viable one mm-hmm. that will most effectively fulfil my wishes. So I'll be policing you even in death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> supporting. Supporting, supporting, yeah. Access requirements. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to provide ac- access to glue. Like for the funeral that she wants, and like, <laughs> <laughs> so like may 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 their soul get may their soul get rest in the next life that was never found in this one. Mm. You institutional bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so so what is the what is the funeral that you want? Oh my god, it is as it's called a sky burial. What's a sky burial? Okay, so <clears throat> oh, pardon, pardon, sorry. Um, Looks like that funeral will be coming on just pretty soon, just around the corner. Ooh, yeah. Oh, my... Oh, what would be so sad about me catching corona now and dying is everyone else in the world is about to get autism from this vaccine, and I just don't want to (laughs) sit on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, you're going to have so much company. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Minority. Mm, you got to rethink that, and the world's gonna be, <laughs> the world's going to be so much more ordered, which can be both a very good and very, very uh, bad thing. Um, so if 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 everyone's if everyone becomes autistic from the vaccine, this is a really good this is a really good hypothetical. So if everyone in yeah. the world gets gets uh, autistic from the vaccine, you think it, it becomes more ordered? Um. 
Oh, actually, no. Yeah, I think, no. I think it's going to be like, uh, look, I, well, I don't think anyone's going to worry anymore about 2020. You know, <laughs> 2020 is going to become the new 2016. 2016's going to become the new standard. Just like. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but no, um, uh, so yeah, no, my favorite view of Sky Burial, it's done in uh, mountainous areas where there is no soil and a lot of vultures. Because <laughs> basically what they do is they take the body and then they stake it out on like the outcrop. They take it to a place and the vultures know what's coming, okay? And then they, they have the funeral service. They take the body up to the mountains place. And then what happens is this flock of vultures descends on the body. It completely rip it to shreds. Like no, nothing is spared uh, because they're vultures. And then these birds fly off and then they poop you out across the world yeah i you know i was how amazing is that because because you you asked me to think about what kind of funeral i would mm. prefer and i was thinking the same one <laughs> <laughs> eaten by vultures yeah yeah because yeah, no, a zoroastrian funeral yes yeah, Zoroastrian funeral yeah, yeah, so yeah it's, so it's just like where the body is just laid out and then left to the elements slash vultures yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and the then, element yeah. of air. Yeah, because actually, because I did a residency earlier um, this year, mm-hmm. which was uh, not this year, last year uh, at Howe. It was mm-hmm. called um, Unacknowledged Loss. And we had a lecture and discussions with uh, some undertakers who oh, like, yeah. Yeah, must be very busy at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, and um, it was really cool. Um, there, and so we've got like detailed information about what happens to a body when one dies. Um, and I had always thought that I wanted to be cremated, but it turns out that being cremated is really environmentally unfriendly, uh, because mm-hmm. it uses, it releases a huge amount of carbon, um, and also, uh, other chemicals into the atmosphere. And, um, yeah, so like, it's not, I thought it was like a, like, cause, and I, like I thought that again after that that I thought that because I used to think I wanted to be cremated, but then I thought no I want to be bur- uh, buried but without a casket, mm. um, because I didn't like the idea of like this being in this sort of like unnatural box or whatever. Oh but I found out that w- what the uh, what the casket actually does is that decomposition requires ox- oxygen, right? Mm. So mm. for all of the things to like like uh, like eat up your body and a casket. Uh, speeds up that process because um, because then there's oxygen for the, yeah. the like the the processes to happen and so actually uh, I ended up thinking that I would I would probably of the available options like rather than like corpse marionette I would <laughs> go with uh, being buried in a casket so like monument like, compromise corpse marionette or like yeah. bust yeah <laughs> a corpse marionette and then the um the top of the church opens and like a helicopter comes in and like lifts off the cross and flies it off to like the mountainside for the sky burial uh yeah except like the church doesn't open it's like a really important medieval catholic church like it just gets like the roof just gets shot off by like an, <laughs> an attack helicopter and then it lowers down and then like picks, <laughs> picks me up and then anyone who doesn't let go of their um, their handkerchief too qu- uh, quickly enough then gets dragged out the top of the church with me. Like absolutely, absolutely. And then when that attack helicopter comes in and blows off, um, blows off the roof of the medieval Catholic church, all it will say on it is, this is my gender. 
This is my gender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking just lol. <laughs> Death is a pretty funny one. It feels like like what a gag. Yeah, it's like, you know, I was terrified of death for a year when I was 12 to 13. I think I cried myself to sleep almost every night. I was terrified of it and also convinced that I was dying. Mm, mm. Yeah. And then, like, it turns out I wasn't. I was 13. I was fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of understand, though. It's sort of kind of like going from that impervious immortality of, like, childhood into, like, you know, becoming, like, cognizant of, like, the passing of time and things. Um, I just can't, I can't get the idea of like you decomposing in a wicker casket out of my head. <laughs> I'm just right. It's such it. a vibe, yeah. yeah. And like, and like yeah, the worms the pa- getting in because if it's wicker, it will also decompose with you as well. Well, actually, I wouldn't go with wicker because I think it's a bit tacky. But um, like, but the 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 board does like everything does get in. Basically, the wood rots. Um, but like that little. So also in uh, a Muslim burial where. Um, uh, there isn't a casket. The person mm. is uh, wrapped in a shroud, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's a board placed. I think definitely above. I'm not sure if also below. In I think both in order to create that oxygen pocket. So even in a uh, because if you put like a body in the ground, yeah, <clears throat> straight up, then uh, then the body uh, just takes quite a while to decompose. Ah, okay. Yeah. Have you thought about what you want to be buried in? Uh, or like left out on like uh, in in a sacred burial place to to, no, know, to face the elements. But one time <clears throat> when I was in Norfolk and I was younger, we ended up at an after party of a really random dude who was straight, and I was like with two uh, friends who were girls who basically he wanted to like sleep with one of them, and then ended up I ended up passing out in his bed, and then he had to sleep there as well, and then we like woke up in the morning together like, oh. and he was talking about how he like. Um, but the night before, we talked about how he was from a, um, like, a Romani, like, gypsy family. And he used the term gypsies. And, like, he was, like, living in, in Norwich. But he said about how they were, like, uh, just, like, uh, he was, like, just certain certain dodgy activities of his family. Uh, uh, and he was saying, uh, and he was, like, uh, really fun and everything like that. But he was, like, saying, yeah, I know all the, where all the quicksand is around here. So if you need to hide a body... Um, wow there's quicksand in the UK yeah apparently so but they keep it stum because otherwise they do that but I'm just thinking now when I need to hide a body if I need to hide a body in the future um, yeah I, I think wish... it's best that you correct that from when to if because <laughs> like like I I, I, did, I know you didn't ask me but I feel like your life will go better if you don't have to hide any bodies in quicksand <laughs> I, I, like like this is me, like, what, what is it? Like, I'm your life coach. <laughs> avoid, avoid getting, avoid situations where you need to hide a body in quicksand. Because I think for you, that'll work really well. Like, based on what I know of you. Yeah. I can, I, I know we're just joking, but already I can just feel this kind of, like, immediate, like, resentment in my body of just, like, <sighs> like, just, you know, like, what's like? The, is this like... me policing your queer body again? <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> Oh my god, do I secretly want to? I, well, yep, anyway, you know what? The less said about that on a public platform, the better. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm joking. You might kidding. This isn't a public platform. It's just 60 of our friends and some people in Ohio. Well, <laughs> it's, 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 it's more than 60 now. 
Oh dear. That's Hi everyone. Very... Hi everyone. That's going to be uh, very incriminating later. You know, we uh, we have set up a a, a, a uh, an email address uh, for people to be able to uh, like oh write God. back to us, so you they can you can suggest themes, you can uh, like berate us for terrible things that we said. You can let us know useful. Yeah, I want to uh, fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can let us know any uh, suspiciously useful quicksand patches in uh, in the Berlin yeah. area. And and you can email in and tell us what you want to you tell us your funerary fantasies of. Uh, when I die. So if you have an obscure funeral rite that you want to happen, if you email in when I die and then you say it, we will take turns to read them out on this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think that I would want to be laid out in my head. I want to be like tastefully nude, but like covered in just like petals. (laughs) Like, Like floral arrangements. Tastefully nude covering with pillow. I think that would work with you. Yeah. Do, I think that like a dark purple lip for you. Yeah. Like, but just because there's no oxygen in your body. <laughs> I was going to say like deadly nightshade. It's like finally yeah, the yeah, forbidden yeah, colour. Yeah. But yeah, I also like that one too. I think like, like, like beginning. No, but um, I think a dark plum would look really nice. Oh, I know another thing as well. I would love it if when I die that I was like, so basically there was this person who was reading with bipolar who was reading about uh cyclobin being a potential treatment for depression so decided to inject magic mushrooms rather than just just consuming them or anything like that and so they they got they made mushroom tea and then they injected it into their veins and then what happened is the mushroom they went a few days later they started getting really sick and they had organ failure because the mushrooms started growing inside them because no. it, was wet, it was wet and there was no light. <clears throat> oh. But imagine if you could become, if you could just die and then become a magic mushroom farm. I don't want to do that. If I, if I was covered in like cyclobin mushrooms growing out of my body, would you eat them and trip? No, no, I I, I don't really like mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like it's like it's my funeral. It's one time. Are you saying you don't like mushrooms as in you don't like magic mushrooms or you don't like mushrooms as in like eating fungi? I love mushrooms. Uh, I just haven't had magic mushrooms for a long time and I feel like, like, with any hallucinogens, like, I, there's always the possibility that it could take you to a bad place, right? And I feel like if you eat that mushroom that has fed off the corpse of one of your closest friends um, while at their funeral the chances that that would be a bad trip are slightly higher than usual. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Because yeah, it would begin with me appearing in a small devil outfit being like, ha ha. <laughs> at the very beginning. Like... <laughs> I think it would be amazing. Oh my God. I would totally do it. I would be like, alternately then also you might you maybe maybe then also as well like this the world between this world and the next comes and i'm like oh it's so exciting here on the other side come with me and they're like no thank you i'm like no i don't want to be alone start pulling you over uh look i don't think you'd have to pull so hard (laughs) 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 this 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 plane of existence isn't exactly making me be like oh no can i stay here longer <laughs> You'd be like, I'm gonna drag you kicking and screaming into hell, and it's like I've got my backpack. Yeah, I've got my backpack. Oh my God. Can I get a tan, or is it just gonna be warm? 
<laughs> oh my god yeah i would oh yeah yeah hell would be nice <laughs> i was just thinking because it's quite cold at the moment and like i know it's a cliche but probably there's a lot of interesting people in hell and i like have all always wanted to fuck satan no that's a normal thing i right? do think yeah satanic satanic sex orgy uh satan, no one-on-one because yeah. on one. like i used to think that i thought that that like the i used to th- yeah i'm no longer so interested in the idea of an orgy like just like one-on-one passionate sex with the devil <laughs> oh me I, I, <laughs> i'm happy to be like in the thriving pit really yeah no oh I my just, god oh my god so actually yeah, no, no. When I was younger, I was convinced that what heaven would be is that you would just... I was, like, 14 or something. I was, like, heaven would just be, like, a gigantic, like, white, like, like blue sky, like, fluffy clouds that were actually duvets. And you could just sleep all day and then you could just roll over and whoever you wanted to have sex with would just be there in front of you. And then you could just fuck and then sort of roll back to sleep and then be, like... And then roll over again and then on the other side is, like, whoever you want to be there. That was heaven. Oh, wow. I don't like having sex in the morning. So I think that that would be, that wouldn't be my heaven. Do you Although, I, no, no, I don't like it. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's yeah. so, like, I don't want to, nah, it's way too much energy for the morning. And I think it's also, you, there's two kinds of people, people who like having sex in the morning and people who don't like having sex in the morning. Yeah. In the last relationship. That's the two genders. Yeah, no, in the uh, uh, in the last relationship I was in, basically the one thing, well, the thing that mainly kept it going for a very long time was the fact we were both really into morning sex. Yeah, no, I just, because it's like you've got to wake up and then, um, like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you want to, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah and, then, and then you get into a really sort of like vigorous activity and then like no one has fresh breaths and just like, yeah, no. But some Should- people love it. Yeah, no, I completely love it. And it's also as well, because it was also what it used to be is it used to be like, wake up, fuck before speaking, and then have breakfast, begin arguing, split up for the day, come home, <laughs> try and avoid arguing, go to bed, wake up, fuck. <laughs> that actually does sound, that actually still sounds like a pretty nice arrangement. I mean, you can't, yeah, it was like, oh, it was so great. It was also just, yeah, that was great. Just like, and also as well, like, there's a lot of, um, uh, when you don't have fresh breath, there's a lot of passionate neck action that occurs. Necking. Oh, okay. So not, yeah. You're not into necking? Oh, I have a very, very sensitive spot on my neck. Yes. <laughs> but like, but like, just like, I like that. That's nice if it's the thing that you do because you want to do rather than because you're avoiding the poisonous cesspit of your partner's mouth. <laughs> I, I, um, uh, I, different people have different levels of morning breath. Not everyone has a poisonous cesspit. Uh, no, that's after. true. That's true. Like, I think actually I remember this because like in Berlin, you don't really do this thing so much where like, because like the way that people hook up in Australia is like, you binge drink hard and then you meet up with someone at a bar or a club or something yep. and that you've never met. And then you go home and have sex and then wake up next to each other. And of course you both like sour and disgusting. And that, so I never, or yeah. you go on a date and you get really drunk because Australians drink a lot more than Germans, I think. Um, 
And Ooh. so it's just like the same with like British drinking culture. Yep. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, waking up really hungover in bed next to someone and then them being like, all right, let's do that again. And I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you and I are both disgusting people and we need to drink less. And they're just like, chill out as they reach into a crack, get a crack pipe out and start like hitting it. And you're like, no. Okay, I learned something amazing. No, what? what? No, that was not part of my narrative. You literally did a show called uh, called Karen and Olympia on I and it was not in a skating rink no but like that that wasn't yes but that's a different story from how how it used to function with like dating people <laughs> mm, i'm pretty suspicious of this whole australian thing which speaking of the australian thing you know that the australian accent goes up at the end like like good day mate yeah well it turns out that this etymologically comes from the norfolk accent Oh, really? Yeah, which goes, you eat boy, at the end. <laughs> and obviously, is, I, What is that accent? Is that... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Norfolk accent is like, you eat boy. Some more of it? That's absurd. <laughs> you eat boy. It's right noise, ain't it? So, it's just... It's, okay, go again. You eat boy. It's right noise, ain't it? And then also, they can't say the R noise properly. So instead of like saying tears, it comes as, as like tears. It moved me to tears. Ah, oh, that sounds a little bit Irish, right? Sort of, but it's like different as well. But the point is, though, is that loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of people from Norfolk were transported to Australia. So that like, uh, and also that the first legal case, the founding of the Australian court system came from a couple that came from Norfolk. Um... So, uh, yeah, and then I was like, oh, my. so I grew up in Norfolk, and I was like, wait, I get on with Australians wherever I go. Oh, this is why. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's there's also, like, um, I noticed that there's a lot of uh, Cockney in the Australian accent as well. <laughs> like, because we more also. There's left in London. Yeah, well, actually, my, my cousin has a bit of a Cockney accent. It's really funny. He's Australian and yeah. he moved, but like he, he, he works, he's a carpenter. Uh, he's working in the south of London and because of the people that he's working with, he's picked up a Cockneyish accent, which is quite good. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and um, he, uh, but like, uh, yeah, because we, we also have rhyming slang. Like like yeah. Cockney rhyming slang, it has it has another. It's related to uh, like Australian rhyming slang is uh, descended from it. Wait, you have Australian uh, rhyming slang? Yeah. What is that? How does it go? Oh my god! Uh, tomato sauce is dead horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, phone is dog and bone. Oh, the dog and uh, bone. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, dog and bone. That's the same as as East London. Well, yeah, because it's yeah. It's, uh, it's it's all descended from that. We also yeah. have a, a snake is Joe Blake. Joe Blake. Okay, that's not so East London, but like Joe yeah. Blake. But yeah, and so like, and and if you listen to a really broad Australian accent, it sounds a lot like Cockney. Yeah. Um it's it's amazing. <laughs> I never heard the like the similarities, but if you just put them next to each other, it's actually pretty similar. In what context do you can, in a contemporary sense, have to use the the, the Australian rhyming slang tomato sauce? Um, <clears throat> I think it's more sort of it's like it's much more working class. And uh, it's a bit old fashioned. Like if you say dead horse, then like it's a bit of a joke. But people will know what you're talking about. Yeah, but like what, co- like I'm just like, what context are you like, oh, it's a dead horse? We say, can you pass the dead horse? 
Oh, you said it the wrong way around. You said tomato sauce was dead hawk. Oh, no, I see now. Oh, well, I well because was... the, 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 the word is, is equals. And if something equals something, it can't be the wrong way around. <laughs> the tomato sauce is dead horse. So I was thought that there was a lot of situations where there were dead horses. <laughs> so you were saying tomato sauce. <laughs> I was like, is there some like horrible pile up at the races that year or something? <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, look at that puddle of tomato sauce. Which brings us back to our theme of Death. Death, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like what what happened to your child? It's like they they oh wait, they drowned in tomato sauce. They <laughs> drowned into dead horse. Oh god, know. in a very unpleasant way. Yeah. Imagine drowning in a horse. Oh god. Oh my god. Well, the thing is they take dead horses and they turn them into glue. So imagine mm-hmm. if you fell into a vat of horse glue mm-hmm. and then drowned in it. And they were trying to get you out, but it was too sticky. <laughs> 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 yeah, that would be that would be really good. Yeah. yeah. Would, okay, so you had a wait. Did you have another question? No, but one time when I was living in East London in a place called Bow Church, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and sometimes sometimes at one point someone was talking about like Bow, and I was like, oh wait, I live in, like, and I was like, I was kind of quite following what they were saying. And then I was like, and it took quite some time for me to realise they were saying B-O as Bo and not talking about the place I lived. But the two, the two could be very, the two could easily describe each other, basically. It was that kind of place. What's Bo? Bo, B-O, or then Bo in London. What's B-O, Bo? Body odour. Oh, do people call it Bo? I thought they just called it B-O. Yeah, but then it's like, it was like, like faggots don't know how to speak properly. That's true. They're a mess. <laughs> yeah, ask Azalea Banks. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Um, advocating uh, for the return of Azalea Banks to pop culture is my new I think children should be hit opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's less problematic though. Oh no. More problematic? No. Less problematic. We like. Yeah. I like, know. I think it's just good to shake things up every now and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, totally. Because otherwise you get into the very, into the, let that sink in. It's no longer shocking or meaningful. Yeah, yeah, it's true. (laughs) I'm trying to think of a way that, like, death relates to our political interests. Oh, but wait, so the thing is, I was in this, so I was in um, East London, which is a typical uh, proletariat working class place as well. And I'm in Bow Church, and then I went out, and at the church, there was a full funeral like situation with like a hot like a horse and coach with the funeral in the back of the thing and the horses had like ostrich feathers on them and um like everyone like people had like full body veils and it was like ridiculously intense it was so cool and i was just like uh like i didn't stop and stare but i just walked incredibly slowly just as the procession started moving just to like like just i inhabit the complete grandeur of it it was like a proper old school uh, East London, uh, East London working class funeral situation, and it was amazing. So you're like a funeral perv. Oh, my God, definitely, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Wait, we were talking. Can about you describe this. this? Can you describe that funeral more? Like, so they had a, they had a, like a, they had horses and yeah, they like had a horse. coach or 
Yeah, yeah, they had like a coach. It was like one of those things that like that in like vampire movies that the the evil beautiful. Ends up riding oh, with. I want that. Yeah, it was completely amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like a load. But of I want that to go to like Etika. Yeah, or Lidl. <laughs> Lidl. Aldi. <laughs> I want that to just ride to Aldi, but yeah. like in when I'm in a coffin. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting actually because also as well, I'm just just thinking, yeah, about like just move, bitch. I'm dying, but also I'm currently. <laughs> <laughs> move bitch I'm dying <laughs> that's great that could yeah. be your next tattoo ooh don't te- oh, you, oh, tempt me a tramp stamp <laughs> move bitch I'm dying as <laughs> a tramp stamp <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Brackets, maker, move, bitch, I'm dying. Maker? Yeah, like make, oh, make, make a, a move. Make bitch. a move, bitch, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just love move, bitch, I'm dying. Because the person sees that, they're like, should I, should I stand aside? Or... <laughs> oh do God, you, do you need room to do this? <laughs> um... On uh, Lindsay Lohan's most recent track that she leaked herself onto YouTube, it's uh, which is called Xanax, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, she says like, uh, I have the the chorus goes, I I have social anxiety. Wait, I can't do it. It's like I have social anxiety. Do you want Xanax from me? And then. <laughs> And then it says, uh, I have social anxiety. Do you want to start next with me? I have social anxiety. When I kiss you, I can't breathe. And I'm just Uh like, that really sounds like a problem. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she has a blocked nose. Oh, because she does so much coke, she totally has a blocked nose. See, I thought because it just like dissolved the barrier between the two of them. Surely it should make everything easier. Mm, uh, Maybe. I don't know. I've never gone that far. Thank God, loving that for me. (laughs) I like. I have two nostrils, and I'm keeping it that way. Thank you, Henny. Um, But like, what do you? Okay, so like, then I would ask, what do you think are political uses of death? Ooh, that's very interesting, actually. What is the political utility of death? Uh, In George's, George's Sorrell was a, a working class intellectual who basically did not write before Gramsci but he did write before Gramsci was translated effectively and he also wrote before the majority of Marx was translated as well so he was working when was um, that it was before the first world before the second world war I'm not quite sure uh before the first world war but basically he was not working he did not have like access to the full range of Marxist thought but only a certain very only the the notion of the materialist sciences and he basically came up with the concept of uh, of the myth or the political category of the myth in the left-wing sense which is seen as a forerunner to uh the h word i can't say that you can hegemony that one yeah. um <laughs> yeah so um so that it, and this was the idea that you know, that there was this notion that, that through the materialist laws of history that the proletariat would just simply become like a revolutionary subject and rise up and overthrow the, the working class. And then there was this notion, actually, it's not so... And then... Um, and uh, and But Marx, I think, saw that people would be involved in that, but didn't make that very clear. So other people then were like, no, we need like working class intellectuals to 
to produce the the, the H word. Hegemony. Yep. And um and sort of do those things. And but George Soros preempted this. He said what 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 they what the left needs is it needs a myth. And so the general strike was a good myth, or the myth of the revolution needs a myth. And the way he analysed that, and he said that, and he was a big advocate, a big advocate of violence. But and he was then very notorious for being violent. But he did. It's actually that he wasn't really very violent. It was not a very uh, particularly violent thing. He basically <clears throat> used the notion of Christianity and the saints as a model for the production of a myth for the left wing thing which is through the violent deaths and the martyrdom of various mm-hmm. saints after the martyrdom of Jesus Christ, these moments were sort of like flashbobs or like, I also believe, original, basically performance art actions. And that around those things, that this sort of happened in various ways, around those things, all, this, this, like, all these things garnered that pro- uh, produced all this sort of belief, all these sorts of things in various ways that eventually linked up and created this myth and produced Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so that actually, he sort of saw that individual uh, violent acts or individual deaths could be used uh, uh, to then actually create a a sort of and linking those together could be a form of a uh, create a form of solidarity in some way that could produce some form of action. And mm-hmm. I think as well uh, that it's quite interesting that with the with the advent that we sort of have seen something similar to this. In the fact that uh, at the birth, the sort of the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement came from hundreds and hundreds of videos, or like I can't remember the history properly, but what's very important is hundreds and hundreds of videos, cell phone footage, consistently of uh, black people dying because of the police and with mm-hmm. these things, mm-hmm. and that actually people started putting these things together and said that this is this is not something uh, that continue uh, in the same way. So I think that there is. But death, yeah, I think that those are just that's some immediate reflections on death in politics. Well, so that it's like <clears throat> then it's about like representation and death, isn't it? Because like because mm. the thing is that deaths like that 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 this death like well we all die and then uh, like a disproportionate number of uh, black people in the US and in many other places uh, die as a result of black uh, people of, of well of police <laughs> violence. I think. I don't think it's so helpful to be so broad, though. Like, I think, like... Uh, I don't care, I'm doing a podcast, it's casual. Like, uh... <laughs> well, I just, I, I do care, because it's public. Um, <laughs> but, like, that, like, uh, that, like, racist policing, um, uh, that, like, this contributes an, uh, an extra, like, that this, this can, uh, like, causes a very specific and brutal kind uh, mm. of death for, uh, for, for a, like... Well, actually, yeah, for a lot of people. Um, yeah. And, and so it's then about how that gets represented so that that, like, doesn't become an invisible death. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bertolt Brecht said, as uh, crimes stack up, they uh, disappear. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, Wait, but I... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a logic to how that happens as well because it's like certain people's deaths are invisibilized. Right, and yeah. you also see, you also see this with Palestinian uh, lives and deaths as well. But like, I think uh, who I can't remember who was talking about this. I think it was Butler that it's like um, <clears throat> that. Oh, uh, frames there's... of war, and the the frames of war, and the, who is who is and is not mournable. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so yeah. it's like <clears throat> like to have a death that's like mournable is also it's not something that's really afforded to all people. There is like no. there is like no 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 no. <clears throat> um, uh, so like, 
uh, it's like the, the, the conditions of how, how a certain death is represented and then how we like collectively mourn that uh, or, or choose not to uh, after a death has taken place has a very strong ramification for those who are living. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm reading the... I'm, uh, I have this new system that's really, really working out for me, which is that whichever book I'm reading, I sit up at night and I read one chapter of it before I go to bed because... Uh, I have various books that I've been meaning to read for years and years and years and years and they're just like 20 or 30 chapters and once you've kind of read them, uh, you've read them, that's kind of it. So rather than just sort of like having this process, so it really works and I encourage anyone who is trying to do anything in the pandemic and trying to be a little bit more productive, it's a really easy way to get through a book that you've been meaning to read for a long time in a matter it's of like one, a week or two. One chapter before One chapter bed, before you go to bed, whatever the book is. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's really simple. It's really easy, and it's just that then it's it's working. It's it's just progressing really well. I've been doing it with gentrification of the mind, mm -hmm. um, which is about gentrification and the AIDS crisis together. And of course, uh, queer people during AIDS were not mournable, and it was not seen as a public health crisis. And it's so interesting to look at this pandemic within a pandemic as well, actually, and see how completely different these things were. What people had to do um, with that, like. Uh, and there's, I think it's David Wojnarowicz, they t uh, Sarah Shulman talks about who was the founding member of ACT UP. He, with like, uh, with KS, like, uh, Karpeski's sarcoma, like sores, like basically was just covered in sores from AIDS, would like walk into like... like lesions? Lesions, yeah. With, <clears throat> covered in lesions would like walk into shopping malls and ask for a free makeover. Um, <laughs> to like, yeah, to, yeah, people had to do things, would like go to, the people would go to, to plays and then mm -hmm. with their IV drips and then like fall asleep in the theatre because it was actually about them participating in public life rather than seeing this because there was just no way of doing these things and um uh they had to people brought people uh sprinkled there was a mass movement of people turning up to sprinkle the ashes of their loved ones who died from aids on the white house lawn because the white house was just denying it so much um and judith butler in friends of war talks about the practice of holding public vigils for AIDS victims to, because in the same way as well, that then what happened as well, in the same way with uh, Black Lives, the way that it's being used contemporary in Black Lives Matter is that then during the AIDS for years was grids, it was gay related illness and disease. There were people dying and dying and dying and um, there was just nothing being done about it. And there was had to be huge, huge, huge social movements. It's really interesting that um, legally, you still actually even couldn't do a gay like gay kiss in public, or you could you could be people could discriminate against you for a gay kiss in public in Manhattan, uh, in New York it, uh, until two thousand and three. Mm -hmm. So that uh, it's just in terms of the actual amount, and it's another really interesting thing as well. Actually, there was this disability exhibition they managed to get to, but there's like a BBC report from the early nineties where it was uh, for disabled people had to uh, wear yellow badges saying mentally disabled. And then the, um, the news reporter refers to the mentally disabled people, spastics, or as well, otherwise known, mongrels. He's literally in the early 90s referring to disabled people as mongrels on TV. Wow. Like it was a complete, and it's also that the, the discrimination gay people were facing back in the 80s and the and even the early 90s, it's on such another level to what we can possibly consider now. And people were dying. Like 800,000 people died of AIDS. And um, two, uh, in the Iraq war, 200,000 people have died. At the, mm -hmm. the biggest estimate. So just to give you the idea of this, it's more like, yeah. I thought it was 200,000. I thought it was more than a million deaths in Iraq. 
I think it depends on where you. It was interesting. I think it was when you checked. Uh, this is from something that I was checking for the Iraq body count uh, project, mm-hmm. which recorded 200, 185 to two hundred eight thousand deaths as of February twenty twenty. Okay. Uh, but that was ultimately something that I got from Wikipedia, so it could be wrong. But yeah, um, uh, yeah I really encourage anyone who's interested in these things to read Gentrification of the Mind because it's super interesting and um, and it's really interesting because they're, they're yeah the way it's the way people were dying and queer people were dying for year for for ten years before a movement happened around it, and it was it was really a a, a terrible way to die as well mm. the way it was done with things. And um, and it's it's completely fascinating reading anything about AIDS right now within a pandemic is so uh, there's so much relevance between inter uh, intersection between the past and the present in various ways. Yeah, yeah, I think <clears throat> yeah, there's a, there's certainly sort of a lot of stuff to be learned about like stigma and. Um... Uh, and and actually paying attention to like yeah who, who's whose deaths are mournable like also mm. we see this with the um with uh, the measures that are being that are put in place at the moment like the fact that it would be possible to actually like uh, to bring European COVID numbers to zero right mm. there's a, uh, there's a there's an initiative that's just come out recently called Zero COVID mm-hmm. and they uh, argue for a so- solidarity so like a so- solid I don't know the English word. There isn't, it's like solidarity ish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, solidaristic. Solidaristic is the word. Um, uh, like lockdown. So, uh, which means that like all non essential, because at the moment people are still making ayah liqueur, like a kind of egg liqueur. Like there's a whole bunch of unimportant things that it, like people are still being forced to go to work and get COVID while doing. And yeah. so it's like, that could be like, that could be t- taken down. And then uh, through proper taxes, especially on those industries that are making lots of money, then this lockdown could be funded. No one would yeah. die. Like, and, and like, and so the choice, uh, like the choice of European governments not to do this is a choice to allow uh, like working class and in particular, uh, like, uh, like disproportionately high levels of non-white and migrant working class people uh, dying. So it's like, it's a, it's like government, like the way that, that, like a lot of these things that we like, we, it gets hidden behind this veil of common sense or whatever. They are decisions about who is going to die at the moment. And they're a bit very mm. like, and so with, we have a death toll that's like hovering at different times around a thousand deaths a day, just in Germany, Germany, Germany alone. Uh, mm. And we know that working class people are disproportionately exposed to the virus because uh, they uh, inordinately are the ones who have to go to particular workplaces and be exposed and work in uh, like poor, poor, poorer conditions. Um, it is definitely like there are decisions being made at the moment about who dies and like a big, uh, a big influence, a contributing factor to that is um, like a devaluing of working class migrant and non-white lives. Yeah, but also as well, disabled and immunocompromised people as well, because also people are exactly. just like, in loads of people are just saying like, oh, there's only a 2% death toll. It's, oh, it's only like these sorts of people and stuff like that. And there are people who are like, well, I'm a fucking part of the society. And that's me. You're literally saying like, it's like, well, no one really dies apart from those underlying conditions. And if you're sat there with an underlying condition, it's just kind of like, it's um, it's very, I think that it's, I feel, I remember one time that I, I cried when I realized this, that disability is something that is socially constructed which is to say that there's lots of ways in which we we have a society run in a certain way and then 
within that we privilege a certain set of things consciously or unconsciously you know what i mean but then it creates this other thing so when you actually have a bunch of different people who living together who are typically considered disabled often then what happens is the disability disappears and it just becomes part of the condition of life and then there's a really interesting performance uh performance artist italian disabled performance artist called chiari bassani sorry uh, italian uh, italian Ita- performance disabled artist. performance Dis- artist yeah she, yeah she makes really she does these really uh uh cute pictures where she's a unicorn and um she's called uh chiari bassani mm-hmm. like uh Wait, like Leo Bassani, who wrote The Rectum as a Grave, but I don't know if they're related, but like Chiari Bassani. And then, um, and she said that, uh, just looking at the new, she said basically, uh, she put, she's a wheelchair user, she like, she says whenever she watches any kind of like blockbuster or like zombie horror movie or something like that, she's rehearsing, it's a rehearsal for her death. You know, mm-hmm. because it's always within these things. Oh my God, there's some kind of crisis. Ah, let's run. And then it's basically always just like, ah, you, need, you know, it's this society's not set up for you. And you are tolerable when everything's okay. But when the shit hits the fan, what do you expect from us? Do you just expect us to care about you? No. And then, um, and then obviously we can't like, look at this. And then, um, and she said about this, uh, crisis particularly is that rather than this sort of like where it's been framed, it was an opportunity for us all to realize that we are all human and that we are all fragile and that we are all vulnerable in this sense, rather than rather than this articulation of some are more vulnerable than others. And what's really interesting in all this is one of the number one ways that they managed to treat corona or the progresses they've had towards it is to do from HIV medications. So this complete pandemic that we had where people were completely forgotten about and erased and all these things, if people had been invested in then and these people had been seen as people, we would be far more prepared for the pandemic that is happening now. And mm. which is that we are all part of this. <clears throat> Uh, species together we're all part of this this we're all we're all sentient things together and we need recognition as such because it's going to bite you in the end yeah like i think it's quite really fun to think as well that we are currently competing uh humans are currently competing with this virus to become the dominant social organism on the planet really I would say so, yeah. Wow. How is society being run right now? Is it being run by people? Is it being run by corona? Well, see, this is, I'd like... And what would happen if we all started moving again as we would want to? Who would that benefit more, us or corona? Corona. And it's a virus. It's barely even living. It's like a, a sentient object of some kind. But it's fascinating. It's just fascinating to consider that and decenter the Anthropocene or the anthropopic gaze for a moment. Huh. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to when this is over. <laughs> I'm looking forward to when we beat the virus. <laughs> I'm fucking sick of it. It's boring. It's I'm, shit. I hate it. I'm going to befriend it. You're going to befriend it? Yeah. You're going to befriend coronavirus? I'm going to befriend a coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, um, it's quite, uh, it's quite interesting. I get it's, yeah, it's shit, but it's also as well, actually is definitely a fascinating period of human history as well. It certainly is. It yeah. certainly is. And one that is saturated in death. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's also as well that within the... It's very interesting to see um, that we've just... Uh, Joe Biden's just come back into the 
the White House, of course, and now that we're basically the, um, to a certain extent, it's sort of like, uh, it's like a, uh, I know it's a process for the, for the, a return very much of the, the administrative state. Mm-hmm. as it mm-hmm. were kind of thing where you've got like you know you've got some again you've got like the decent pale male stale person the old man back in the white house and you have like uh you know this sort of thing like um and I, it's interesting but it's it's very but this just happened i know that what is it i'm trying to say about the admin it's about the administrative state and that these things sort of try to get, uh, and it's basically as well the idea of like returning back to normal. Like, oh, do you know about the um, the cubicle movie? Yes, yeah. You, Did I mention talked this about this on on this uh, podcast before? Ah, uh, well, one thing. So the cubicle movie is just the idea that the nineties was a period of stability, and that this is and boredom, and this is best summarized by the cubicle. But also at the same time as well that if we look at a movie like Boys Don't Cry, which is a vast, you know, it's like a movie of like this period of time was not cute or nice this period of stability and boredom was neither sporing nor stable it was violent and aggressive still yeah for different yeah. subjects within it so and um but what were you saying about biden oh uh, well basically biden is the cubicle oh uh, yeah he's yeah, just he he's just a cubicle he's literally yeah, but like, he's he is a cubicle but i think he has flimsy walls which is like well potentially a good and a bad thing Oh now, my god. Like as we like to sort of wrap up, I wanted to ask what are some things that help you deal with the ever present like humming uh hu- like humming presence ah oh, shit with <laughs> like with that like that that creeping ever present uh, existence uh, of death on the horizon. Okay, well, the thing is right is that during like high school and college uh, and even like early university, whenever I uh, needed to, and before prep basically, whenever I needed to go and get a H, uh, uh, STI test, I would be like, I'd sort of be like, it's okay, it's okay, and be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. and then the day would come and I would, and then it would just, the, the dam would burst and on the way to the clinic, I would be like, I've got HIV, I'm going to die. I'm going to die like Freddie Mercury. I'm going to die like David Bowie. I'm going to die like so many other artists. I'm going to, whenever I'm researching queer history, I just find out that everyone's dead. Dead, 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 dead from HIV. That's going to be me. Like this, this accident, I, it was a blowjob, but I brushed my teeth before and I had a, a wound in my mouth and so yeah, it yeah, snuck yeah. in there. Like I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. die. In the thing, then at the, you get to the clinic and you're like, okay, so, Maybe I'm not going to die, but I, I will die maybe sooner. But maybe I'll have medications. How am I going to tell all of my friends and relatives about this? About this? And, and also vicariously say, I was being uh, a cum bucket as well. How do I tell my mum I was being a cum bucket and I'm being punished because of it? And I deserve that because I'm a cum bucket. Because I'm so indecent and all these things. All of this. Get the STI test. Wait for the results. And just be like, oh. And then just, you know, then walk out and be like, you know what? I'm alive right now and that's all that matters even though I am going to die very soon and then you'd get the text and it would be like you're all clear it's fine and then you just have to get on with your day so I think that that experience that experience there that's trained me to be fine with the idea of dying and death oh my god that's so melodramatic <laughs> I was a teenage gay living in fucking like a straight place of queer isolation of course I was being melodramatic <laughs> oh my god <laughs> 
I asked you that because I was like, I don't want to leave this on such a heavy note. And then so you went there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but wait. Okay, so wait. Uh, also as well, <clears throat> I know. I think that, uh, I think death's kind of exciting. Yeah. Like, well, what a reveal. Know, I think, I think depression has really helped me with that because I used to be really afraid. And mm. then one day when I was 16, I remember I just like, it was nothing even happened. I was sitting on a bench. I was on the main street of this terrible, disgusting shithole town that I grew up in, that I was forced to grow up in. And, um, uh, and it was always like totally dead by like four, mm-hmm. like, or four thirty. And there was not a soul on the street. There's 14,000 people in this town, but like no, no nightlife whatsoever. And mm. like, like, oh my God, it was so bad. And um, uh, I remember like, it was like my stomach just dropped out. I just like, I just got hit by a, like, it was like a, like a, a bag of wet cement full of depression. Um, and it just dropped out. And then I just felt so tired and for the first time in my life I thought it wasn't that I wanted to die but I was like I can live with this not going forever (laughs) (laughs) right and it's like like, it's like it's not so socially acceptable to talk about that but I was like I think that really helped that I was like there like life is amazing and full of so many wonderful things it is also quite tiring at times and I like it makes sense that it has an end at some point have you um have you ever heard of the concept of a rainbow body What's a rainbow body? Something completely amazing. Um, it is a... All my favourite death practices come from Tibet, apparently. And um, it's like... A t- <laughs> like, uh, like... Sky Rose. It's a... Um, it's like a certain... Uh, like, uh, monks basically meditate. And they have to... Basically, they meditate and they just have absolutely just pure thoughts. Like, pure thoughts of just happiness and joy. And you have to do this for... Um, for 10 or 15 years or something like that it's like you do basically at the end of your life or like seven years you're like seven years solid or 15 years solid you have to meditate on nothing but uh perfect nappy thoughts and then what happens at some point basically your energy just like vibrates out of your body and you just join the astral plane the body shrinks uh the body of the meditating mind just shrinks as well down uh and loses a certain amount of mass and that's the process by which they die. But it's actually that they have become so pure that their soul literally just ascends directly out of their body. And you can look at the pictures of a rainbow body on Google Images. Beautiful. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been very hashtag to Pride discuss. Month. <laughs> Sorry. And then rainbow body hashtag Pride Month. <laughs> it has been a pleasure to discuss death with you, Isn't Gloop. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to be talking with you, Limpy. And uh, we will we will see you next week, dear listeners. Yes, but- uh, if you have uh, like uh, if you have uh, <coughs> suggestions for a uh, for a theme or uh, like comments on the amazing things that we've said, <laughs> or uh, you want to just like start fights with strangers on the internet yep. then uh, slurry speaks at gmail.com slurry sp- slurry <laughs> slurry speaks at gmail.com mm-hmm. like yep one of us will no Olympia will read your email if it's interesting they'll pass it on to me yep. uh, <laughs>
So, okay then, well, fantastic. Okay, and, like, and then you also want to do this, like, the challenge, right, oozing gloop? I mean, I just, I just want to feel, I just want to be, I've, you know that point where you're, like, at the after party and you're all, like, so, like, blitz that you basically just, but you can't go home, so you start coming up with dumb games? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm at that point of the pandemic. So, yeah. if you'll just, say, I just want, like, if even if, like, two people send me an amusing game, uh, reply, play this amusing game with me in my Instagram stories, I will be happy. So can you describe what the game is again? Okay, it's called, wait, what is it? What, oh, what? When called, I Die. Hashtag, when I die. Yep, and then you just have to say, like, if you've had some secret plan about, like, your death process or yeah. your funeral or something elaborate like that or some kind of messy drama you want to start, like, mm-hmm. just with your, either that your death triggers or that you start just before you, just if you're dying, some messy drama you want to start just before that you just completely check out of so you don't yeah. have to put up with. Uh, I want to hear all about it because it will amuse me. Great. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Yeah, don't die before then because you're going to listen to our podcast. (laughs) Ciao. Bye. (laughs)